Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, here is another episode of Room 9. We are going strong still over, geez, been over, what, a year and a half or so we've been doing this? It's been pretty awesome. It's been an awesome journey so far. In this amazing episode I'm about to introduce to you, I sit down with a gentleman by the name of Tony Gill. He is actually a vape store owner in Buffalo, New York. And he has about almost five years in recovery, and he'll talk a little bit about his story and how he got to where he's at. But really, um, if you're not up to date with everything, the first Room 9 vlog should be out by the end of the week. That is the goal. I am currently editing it right now. So I hope you guys get up on YouTube and follow Room 9 podcast and check us out. Like us, subscribe, do all that other jazz, because we are starting it up. And I am excited to get it going. Other than that, that's pretty much all I got for you guys. Um, Room9podcast.com. Go check it out. I'm currently in the process of changing things around and going to get the video production page up on the website and all sorts of other good stuff that is happening here. So I'm excited. If you are looking to help push this Room 9 message around, you can go to our website and go to the support page. And there's a list of things you could do to help. Even if it's not in a monetary sense, there are plenty of things you can do to help spread this message, and you can check that out on our webpage. So without further ado, here is, I believe, as far as Room 9's podcast alone, it is episode 53. I don't even know why I shout out a number anymore, but here it is with Tony Gill. I hope you guys enjoy it, and I will be in touch. Peace, much love, talk to you soon. Tony Gill. I thought we could uh, share a little bit about your story and then we could probably, I mean, so many people in recovery are into vaping and all that too. So we could always touch base on that as well. Sure. But I mean, I don't, I don't know too much of your story other than kind of what you've told me in and out of the shop. So, you know, run me through that, where that left you. What do you got? Four years in recovery? Five years? I'm I'm over five years. Five years? Five years, July 24th last year. So, yeah, I mean, um, where did that like where did how did that start for you as far as um with your addiction? Was it pills and heroin or was it more drinking or it was definitely it was definitely pills that kind of jump started me on on a faster track, I would guess, mm-hmm. to, you know. I mean, when I when I think back honestly about it, I used everything to the extreme, you know, even when I was, you know, younger and going to high school parties and stuff like that, I just I was always drinking the most and be doing the most outrageous thing and you know look at me type of behavior you the know? overindulgence yeah and <laughs> everything yeah i was the i was the guy that my friends had to be like well you can only have three beers tonight dude because <laughs> we don't want to babysit yeah you. <laughs> we're, we're tired of babysitting you yeah so when i really think back on it it's definitely it's always been a you know a theme definitely yeah i find that's usually well, you know, it was funny because I was always, I always thought it was weird that I didn't really, in high school, I didn't do much partying or nothing. No? No, no. I didn't, that's kind of, but I feel like that's a common theme for a lot of people who end up in like a situation like this as far as like, all right, I got to check myself with how I'm using, whether you go to a rehab or not or whatever. 
but I find that is a common theme with a lot of a lot of people, like just in high school and hitting it hard. Yeah. And so I don't know. For some reason, I decided to start abusing drugs and alcohol in my mid twenties. I don't know why, but hmm. I shouldn't say that. If I'm honest with myself, it was probably in my early twenties. Was drinking at least every day, somewhat heavily, but right. But yeah, so you started kind of in high school as a basic thing for you. Like I said, I, I definitely was going to the extreme with it, but I don't think things really took a like a seriously bad left turn for me until, you know, I was probably 21, 22. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when I kind of discovered Glorotabs and stuff like that and just got into that whole thing and was taking those kind of on the weekends for a while and drinking and partying and stuff like that. And then kind of started hanging around with somebody who kind of put the, not that I probably, I didn't need help, but put the thought in my head, like, I can't function without these pills, you mm-hmm. know? And I, I just remember that being like a big thing to me, like, well, you can't function without these pills. What do you mean? Well, I get sick, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like I go, of course. After that, I couldn't function without those pills. And then it was like that thought was implanted in my head, and it was like always there then. From that point on, like, well, if I don't have more opiates, I'm going to be sick. That's when it becomes heavy, too. Yeah. It th- because I think that's when the fun goes out of it. Oh, yeah. Once you realize you can't, like, this is it. This is this over everything else because I can't do anything else without this. Right, right. And it's, yeah, I mean, that's a totally game-changing kind of moment. So around 21, 22... I had a kind of steady job, I guess, and and it was a job where I was definitely had some room for for growth in the company and stuff like that, and I ended up just kind of partying that job away. Where and was that at? It was at a it was at a used car lot actually. Okay. I don't know if I should say the name or not, but and it was a, it was actually a good job. Like they paid me well, and I was just a detail dude. But I had somehow the owner. It was a small enough company that the owner was cutting us all in on bonuses. Mm-hmm. Like as far as like how many cars did we sell this month? You're gonna get this much of a bonus. So when the when the business was doing well, we stood to profit from that. You know, and it was there was really no cap on that. So there was some months there that it was. You know, we're doing That's well. That's awesome because I worked for one company where the owner did that. He, him, and his brother owned it, a, co- a contractor supplier. Okay, and they did the same thing. Whatever we make, we're going to take home this much as the owners, but whatever the company makes above this we split it between all the employees and the longer you bender the bigger cut you get right that's that's pretty awesome when you have uh bosses like that oh yeah yeah, yeah. well it, it makes you more invested obviously you feel mm-hmm. like you you do really stand to gain something from the company benefiting Doing good yeah, yeah you know what i mean so it's it's really is a smart from a from an owner standpoint business owner standpoint it is a really smart thing to do because you're going to encourage the employees to obviously work harder mm-hmm. you know and instead of paying them as little as possible and then complaining about how they don't work. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which is majority of business owners. Exactly. Yeah, that's the that's the new um, you know, that's the new uh mentality, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, but anyway, yeah, so you were at this car dealership and Yeah. And and things were going well for, you know, maybe like the first year, year and a half or whatever. And then I as I as my addiction progressed and I started, you know, went from, oh, I'm just going to eat a couple of pills on the weekend and drink to, well, now I got to have pills for work because if I don't have them, I'm, I can't function. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to be sick, you know? And then that turned into me calling off and showing up late and a bunch of other typical behaviors that, you know, obviously, uh, this boss, my boss at the time was just like, dude, I don't know what's up with you, but we gotta, we gotta go our separate ways. And it was at a point where I couldn't even say, I didn't really even have an argument. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, I know it's... <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. It's like I was kind of waiting for the other mm-hmm. shoe to drop, I guess. And 
that was kind of uh, that was really the beginning of um, I gotta get my shit together stage yeah that well yeah that started shortly after that but it was just the, the beginning of I gotta get my shit together let me go to rehab and then I'm good for a couple of months and now I fucked up again you know I messed up again and that whole cycle which went on for you know until I was like 30 so for about 10 years so and I actually spent my 30th birthday and uh, at 291 uh, okay. detox and uh you know and then I've, I've been clean since so yeah that's pretty awesome how many uh rehabs did you go into oh shit um a good amount yeah yeah probably i want to say like 11 or 12 i think is, is a pretty accurate count and then obviously i'm teen outpatients mm-hmm. and, you know that's why man i always i always talk to people when i or at least when i'm talking to people like you never know when somebody's gonna have that switch get flipped and they're done. It yeah. could be their twenty-second rehab they've been to, and you just you can never give up on somebody. You, can, you always just got to be there, day in and day out. Yes, you set healthy boundaries, and I guess this is more a message for people who have loved ones and family members who are struggling because I feel like they want to just wipe their hands and walk away. But right. it's just so important to really be there when somebody is. All right, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna do it this time. I'm gonna do it this time, and right. you're there for them because you never know you when, don't. when they can, you know, switch the flip and be like, all right, I'm really done this time. Right, right, absolutely, yeah. That, you know, there's nothing really, and I think I might have said this to you the other day, but, you know, that really irks me when people look at someone and they go, oh, they're a lost cause. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, no, no, they're not, dude. You know, you don't really don't know when it could take hold for them, and everybody deserves a chance right down to the last... To their last breath. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know what I mean? I, I can see family members wanting to maybe love you from a distance after yeah. so many attempts set boundaries yeah and- like you said set boundaries and they got to do that for their sanity mm-hmm. and and you know we as addicts can't hold that against them really there's re- you know we've created the situation and we got to earn the trust back and it takes a long time but you can get there you can get there you know no, yeah it de- definitely takes a long time yeah but for sure. it but it does come back. It does. And I think that's super important. Unfortunately, the truth is that some people aren't going to ever change, but I, we don't have the luxury of knowing who that is and who that isn't. Right. So you always have to be there over and over again. All right. You want you want help? You want to go? All right. I'll help you out. Yep. As far as I'll take you to this rehab or the, your outpatient or whatever it is. And right. I found nothing but like really loving people in these inpatients and outpatients organizations. It's I've really struggled to find you know, certain people who aren't, there is maybe one company I can think of. And I don't even want to say he's not there to help people at that company, but it's more of a, he's just kind of clueless kind of thing. Right. Just almost doesn't know better. Doesn't almost, almost doesn't know any better or just. Yeah. He's just, you know, from his experience, you know, which I've talked to you about him, you know, from his experience, I think he's just kind of whacked out and screwed up. Right. He, um, but yeah, anyway, yeah. I guess I'm not getting into that. <laughs> right. But what kind of, what, what do you think sparked it for you? What what was that? Was it just kind of one of those typical, literally just a switch flipped and it worked for you this time? Or do, can you think of anything specific that really influenced you to stay and just be done with the whole thing? I don't think it was any one thing necessarily. I think it was, it was uh, an accumulation of things, you know, so to speak. I had just, I just had finally had enough pain i had i had um inflicted enough pain on myself and those around me and and really selfishly at first it was about me and just like i remember sitting in in the detox on my 30th birthday and being like dude it's i'm 30 years old and i'm i'm in another 
facility. Like, when am I going to stop this? And, and I didn't, didn't know for sure that, hey, this is going to be the time or whatever, but I just had incurred enough pain and, and was ready to actually finally take some suggestions from, from some other people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, in the past, I didn't want to admit that I didn't have some control over my recovery process, but at, at least at the very first for me personally, when I came in this time, I had to just throw that aside and be like, I don't have any control. I don't know anything about how to stay sober and clean. Somebody else in my life right now does, and I'm going to listen to what they have to say, you know, and what do I have to lose? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Really? What do I have to lose at this point? It can't be as bad as it was <laughs> before, right? So, and it wasn't. I think that's a scary thing for people, the idea of not having any control over anything, That's you know? And and people will find different ways to try to take that control back mm-hmm. and, you know, even to where they'll, they'll harm themselves to do it just to say, I have this, you know, I have this little piece of this of control, you know, whatever, whatever they want to call it, whatever it is for them. It's different for everybody. But I was just defeated, dude. That's the right word. I was defeated. I was beaten down into a pulp and I was. I was willing to to listen to somebody else. So, it, which it's not my favorite term, but it is kind of like a rock bottom. Yeah, you know, essentially, I don't I really like that term because it's weird. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it is really kind of, for lack of a better term. Yeah, 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 it, rock bottom. Yeah, but it's funny too because I feel like every time you know, I'm sure you can attest to this, the twelve times, every single time you thought for sure you were done when you're in rehab. Yeah, and for- that's what I always tell people too, like especially people who don't really have the experience of it, like they're going to say that and they truly believe it and they truly mean it. Like I'm done this time. I'm done this time. Right. And they truly believe they are. But obviously 10 more times after that means you aren't really ready. But and I think like at least for me personally, I can look back and see little ways where I was still trying to take that control and keep that and and not totally turn that over and just surrender it or whatever. Of course you mean it when you say it because the misery and the pain that this addiction causes people is so severe Mm -hmm. and so absolutely unabashedly um, genuine for, you know, if that's even a good word for it, but it's just, it's just truly downright living hell. You know, when someone says I'm done, they do mean it because they don't want to experience that anymore but you know it's the short memories that we have as addicts and the and the ability to forget quickly of how bad it was you know (laughs) it's yeah yeah, you know what i mean and then you can a couple months goes by you're looking good you know you got new clothes things are looking good you got a fresh haircut everything you you're feeling like a human being again and well maybe i can you know do a little bit yeah Yeah, maybe i can be that one person in history that (laughs) that you know figured out how to use on the weekend (laughs) yeah Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty much, you know. Which I don't want to say one person history either, because there are people who, who who can funk. I mean, when you get into the heavier shooting up, it gets very unlikely. Yeah, but that, I mean, there's plenty of people who have been able to do cocaine every once in a while now after their addiction goes, or have some beers here and there. And right, you know, I I often wonder that about myself. I really haven't had any, much desire to start having a couple beers here and there, but you know, I wondered, you know, at least for me. So much of it was running from emotional scarring and emotional pain that once I dealt with all that stuff, A, my drive to want to escape it is gone. And B, I wonder if, you know, even if I really hurt myself and got prescribed some 
pain medication, would I be able to take that as prescribed with control and not you yeah. know go fucking crazy? Right. I, I think not that I want to test that. But. No, no, yeah, and, and I not that I would recommend anybody necessarily test that, but I think that's just part of human nature, man. You always wonder about the unknown. Mm-hmm. You you know what I mean? I mean, we have people that have professions, whole careers that are dealing with the un. Look at you know scientists that mm-hmm. deal with space or the ocean, and these people spend their whole life just wondering what the unknown is. You know what I mean? Oh, what what's that around that corner there that we can't see? That's so fun. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. There's something about that in our in our psyche as human beings that is just we're naturally drawn to think like that for mm-hmm. whatever reason, and this is not excused from that the 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 addiction portion is not going to be excused from that the only thing i can say about that for myself personally is that my repeated attempts to try to learn how to use and i don't like saying this either safely or recreationally again whatever moderate moderately yeah moderate is the word yeah yeah, exactly have all failed miserably Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so that kind of keeps me at bay from from wanting to do that and um I don't know, you know, and I'm and, yeah. I'm and I'm no different than than anybody else who still can wonder from time to time. Hmm, I know? wonder. Yeah. yeah, could I could I maybe be a normal kind of person that goes out and has a beverage, an adult beverage once in a while? <laughs> you know. So. Yeah, I haven't I haven't been bold enough to attempt it. I don't want to. I don't want yeah. to at this point. I'm still I'm still too scared shitless to try right now. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't I don't fucking blame you. Especially, I mean, you you own your own business. You're kind of in the same boat I am. Except you're probably making money. I'm not, and um, <laughs> you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> but um, yeah, I just have so I've worked so hard to get to where I'm at right now. I don't even want a chance throwing that away on a oh now I can have a couple beers before I go to a concert thing. Like, right, screw that. It's it's just not even worth it. Yeah, the, no. Whatever the reward in your mind might be that would make you want to do that is far outweighed by the hard work that you've put in to get mm-hmm. where you're at and and understandably so so yeah and i think even like swinging it back to the whole control thing people who don't even struggle with substance use issues that's just human beings and generally see them all the time want control my ex-wife is a great example of wanting control you know she's got the kids and she will use that to control and do whatever I want. I can only call the kids at this time. And right. I mean, there's just human beings all over that struggle with control issues and they want control and they need it. We're obsessed with it. When you, we absolutely have no control over nothing except maybe how we react to a situation. <laughs> right. Well, and that's what that's what I find that addicts have, have kind of discovered more than people who are, you know, are not addicted to any substances you know maybe they have other issues or whatever obviously but they don't have substance abuse issues is that we've kind of discovered that we don't have control and we mm-hmm. we're we're learning to be okay with that and that's a process man that's not like you just wake up one day and oh i don't have any control who gives a fuck cool no, awesome that's scary as fuck it's yeah. super scary dude you know what i mean not just the addicts like you're saying your ex the non-addicts are not willing to admit that they don't have the control and they want to look for little ways to try to grab it and and mm-hmm. you know reaffirm to themselves oh i do have control over this you know this thing we call life this whatever you want to you know this existence and we don't we don't you know we understand so much less the portion of things that we don't understand is so much greater than the portion of things that we do yeah. understand it's like how could you possibly make a reasonable argument that we know what the fuck we're doing here? <laughs> and it's scary yeah it's yeah. scary not to know anything and it to is. be like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen next. That's kind of why I fell in love with um, Eastern philosophy is just because it just talks about being okay with that. Yeah. The whole unknown and you have no control over it and you just go with it. Right. You know? Right. Because what else are you going to do? Yeah. 
really honestly. you can fight it but you know what happens when you fight a current you get tired and drowned <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so, so it's just so much better to kind of go with it yeah yeah absolutely yeah so you uh yeah so you got it you got about five years and you now own your own vape store which yeah. is cool yeah very how cool. did you um in the beginning and like early recovery how did you find success did you do the aa thing did you do anything else what i'm trying to think of the other groups that are NA, out there naa yeah um Al-Anon. Al-Anon. Oh, that's family that's family but, um, like uh, there's smart recoveries one there's um oh, what there's like um i think there's an ha now actually too there is like yeah, a yeah. Her- i've been addicts. to one of those couple of those meetings did you yeah, yeah i yeah. haven't been but i i did want to check one out but uh um yeah as far as me personally i just i did the aa Okay. You know, and I uh, did the AA thing. The sponsor thing, the whole works? The, the whole works. Yep. I totally submitted to it because I had dabbled with it in the past. Again, like I, all my other attempts at recovery, I had just, I had dabbled with recovery. You know what I mean? But never really had fully gone, gone full bore into recovery like I went into my addiction. So mm-hmm. I did, you know, I know it's like an old cliche or whatever, but I did that. I, I was like, I don't know how to live. You do, obviously. And it was a lot of humble pie for me, right? Because my I got a sponsor that was like, I don't know, like eight years younger than me. So, like, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? That, it was that, like, that's got to be tough. And there was definitely times where I was like, this fucking kid. You know what I mean? Like, you don't, <laughs> you haven't even fucking lived yet, bro. You don't know what you're doing. You know, I had to put that aside and be like, no, he does know. You know, this dude's got five years. I have five minutes. You know what I mean? I don't know what the mm-hmm. fuck I'm doing at all. And I submitted to it. And thankfully, he was really willing to come over and, and go through the you know big book with me every day and, and just start taking me through the steps. And I followed through with them all. And, you know, and I even tried my hand at sponsoring a few guys and all that jazz, and which didn't work out super well. But I still use what I learned in AA on a daily basis, whether I it's not even intentional necessarily anymore. It's become habits mm-hmm. that I've picked up and that I've retaught myself. You know, simple stuff like trying to think about other people, putting other people's feelings before my own or, you know, wants or needs before my own, trying to treat everybody with, with kindness and putting myself in other people's shoes and being responsible for my own shit. I'm, I'm my own person. I make my own decisions. Nobody else is responsible for if I fucked up today. I'm responsible. Yep. You know what I mean? And those are those are all common things that I was easily able in the past when I was using, able to look at someone else and go, you made me feel like shit. Now I'm going to go get high, which is really ridiculous logic when you think about it. Um, kind of like cutting your nose off despite your face type of logic. But that's the things that I did in the past and, and I was able to learn that's not how you approach situations in life. Mm-hmm. So, Which again is something that is like normal everyday human beings need to learn how to deal with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you could easily make a case for Anybody could go through the 12 steps and mm-hmm. get benefit out of it easily Absolutely. because it doesn't, it doesn't just, you know, aside from the first step of, of being powerless over, depending on your... You can put shopping, you, Netflix, yeah. eating, whatever it is in place. Control. Yeah. Yeah. Wanting control. You know, I mean, you could, anything you can substitute in there. And then all of those exercises throughout those steps are, are healthy things for that people could do to really learn how to process and deal with things in a healthy manner and take responsibility for their shit mm-hmm. because... I. I've, Which is huge. It's huge, huge, huge nowadays. Nobody's responsible for anything of their own today. I, f- I feel like I shouldn't make a blanket statement like that because there are people that know how to own their own stuff. But a lot There's of people- a huge majority. Yeah. yeah uh, just don't want to accept responsibility. Well, and when you don't, you can almost bring this kind of like self-righteousness upon yourself because it's not me. It's not my fault. I had nothing to do with this. And it brings this like self-righteous you know, attitude up like, oh, see? Yep. See? Uh-huh. 
and right. you can't do any kind of change in your life again outside of even drug use of anything in your life until you let that go absolutely and you take responsibility because we can all blame our fucking parents for everything that's wrong with us if we wanted to yeah i mean it'd be really easy for me to sit down and make a list of all the people that wronged me Mm -hmm. and why i'm so fucked up today but really what it comes down to is uh, i was fucked up because i made bad choices and i really didn't have a i didn't have a bad life you know what i mean my family was was and is awesome and mm-hmm. and i never really had that to point at i tried to make these weird little situations when i was using like oh yeah well they did this this one time and <laughs> you know what i mean like really petty shallow bullshit you know when i sit back and really think about it my life was pretty damn good and i i started hanging around with people and got into some dumb shit because I wanted to, and then I got into more dumb shit because, you know, it's all my, I'm accountable for all that shit today. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's really the only way to, like you said, to move on. So It absolutely is. And it's funny because you talk about, like, putting yourself in other people's shoes, and that's really, like, the best thing you can try to do anyway. And even then, because we all have our own idiosyncrasies, we're all so different, every detail of our life up until this point affected us and made us who we are today. So how we react to things is going to be totally different than somebody else. Right. And you never know what somebody's going through. You don't. So I, I got some good advice a long time ago because I used to try to, I used to try to like categorize people like that and be like, well, you're in rehab for, for weed. And I'm in here because I stick needles in my arm. Like, and, mm-hmm. and like, I'm, I'm the real addict here. And it's, you know what I mean? Like, what a dumb what a dumb frame of mind that is. Like, oh, you, you know, hear that in rehab all the time. Yeah. Like, it, 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 the, yeah, my, I remember being in a rehab. My yeah. old buddy was like, you know, addicts are the only group of people that can be in rehab for a week, and then new people come into the rehab, and they start judging them and looking down their nose at them <laughs> after being in rehab for a week. Like, look at these fucking scumbags. Oh, you know? that's the best. Yeah, that's, that's, how, that's how we get sometimes. The advice I got basically was what you just said. Don't judge somebody. They're ha- they might be having the worst day of their life right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe their w- wife just left them and they lost their job. You have no idea what they're going through. And or and even if it's not as bad, even if you do know what they went through, it might be the worst thing to them. Yep. Just because it doesn't strike on your on your Richter scale of horribleness or whatever doesn't mean that it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to them. And, you know, that's where empathy really goes a long way. It, I mean, that's something... I struggled with for many years as everybody knows who listened to the show because I've talked about it plenty of times. I was 15, my brother and sister died and I walked around like this chip on my shoulder and like that with that self-righteousness like the world owes me the universe owes me something for giving me this bad hand right and like people all the time you know would say they're they'd be really depressed about something like that's it that's what you're depressed you know what i'm saying not that i would even say that to them but in my head i'd be thinking that right and you just can't because you don't know somebody is reacting to something the only way they know how to react to it right and you can't judge people for that no, it's it's not it's not an even scale. That's it's weird. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, and, and it can be really tricky when you get into that kind of stuff because you know I I've definitely been there before. I've been like I've got it so bad, mm-hmm. blah blah blah, and then someone goes, oh yeah, well this happened to me, and you go, oh shit, I don't have it bad at all. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. And then you feel like an asshole for you know for but, even thinking that. You know, like we kind of just touched base on though too. It like it does. It brings up this self righteousness when you can think that way. Yeah, and it almost justifies what you're thinking. That's that. That's the that's the important word, the key word right there is the justification. Mm-hmm. Oh, now it's okay for me to feel this yes, way. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because even you know, in the deepest part of my addiction, I would look for somebody to do something terrible in quotes, terrible to me, so I could have an excuse to go pound some beers and drink. Yep. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. Especially when you try to get like clean on your own or whatever, and then you just look for it. Yeah. Oh fuck it now. Now I'm going to drink. Yep. And then once I drink, now I'm gonna go buy a bag and Yep. Cutting off the nose and spite the face yep. again, you know what I mean? And you're right back in that vicious cycle, man. You know? Yeah, what a common thing. Yeah. It's uh, I guess it's not really hilarious. I was gonna say it's hilarious, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 funny in the way that it it is so common, and and you can talk to many different people from many different walks of life that have this addiction issue, and they will regurgitate or not regurgitate, but like reiterate, you know, respond the same to that kind mm-hmm. of sentiment and say, yeah, you know, I did the same thing. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, sometimes you got to laugh at certain things because what else are you gonna do? No, absolutely. You know? So. so do you still um do you still do AA and that or are you kind of out of it? I kind of you know I kind of veered away from it to be honest with you. It's been a couple of years since I've been to a meeting and I'm still really kind of don't know how to fully talk about not talk about it but just like how to kind of get okay with that in my brain I guess because part of me feels like I feel guilty because I got all these awesome things from AA and then I did I did try sponsorship I sponsored a few different guys but I never really gave back like I probably should have Mm -hmm. and I'm living this pretty awesome life today with a foundation of AA underneath me. And so there's, I kind of feel like this guilt almost of like, I should go back and I should get involved with service work again and and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I mean, I I just, I'm happy right now and life is really good. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. This is not something that I would recommend for anybody, by the way. If you're going to AA and you're finding happiness in it, you should stick with it. I, I think personally, you know, if that's what you feel is right for you to do, stick with it. But just for me personally, I kind of veered away from it and I took everything that I learned and, and I still get to apply it to my life. And uh, I feel like I find other ways to be of service to people. Mm-hmm. Um, which you can. You don't, you can. By all means, you yeah. don't have to go to AA to be a service. No, people. no, definitely not. Definitely not. But there is a little bit of like resid- residual guilt there for me mm-hmm. just, just because it's that's not the way you're supposed to really work the program. You're supposed to stay around and show the newcomers why you're why you're still coming there after five years and and all that jazz you know maybe maybe one day i'll make it back there i feel like i probably will i definitely do want to check out an ha meeting though yeah i'm trying to think of the one i had one to i took some people there a few times i think it was out is it in rochester by the way by chance no no it's no it's like around williamsville area there okay down harlem towards main street almost okay trying to think of the building it used to be a church and now it's for like something else Hmm. But they have a lot of AA meetings there. I'm trying to think of the name of the center. I think they do some like, they do a lot of like Eastern things there too. Oh, and I think yeah. they have some mediums that go there. And I know where, I think I know where you're talking it? about. It's not like star. Somebody's point. listening to this right now and be like, it's this yelling out the <laughs> name right. of it. You idiots. <laughs> you guys are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, personally, the only reason I, I try to sponsor for like a month. Yeah, and it just—I I, kind of knew from the beginning that AA was not gonna, the twelve steps kind of group meetings weren't gonna do it for me. Right. I gave it a shot because all my buddies, you know, I was really the only one out the car when we got out of rehab, so I was taking people all the time and right and doing that. But I tried to sponsor. I think I ended the sponsor thing when, what was it? Oh, I ended up like talking with somebody and apologizing to them. Yeah. Because I ran into them and my remember my sponsor was like. You know, you should really wait till you get to that step to do that. And I was just like, what? All right, I'm done. I tried. I tried this. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, AA can kind of suffer from its own rigidity. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to knock it at all because thank 
you know, I don't because it, it, no, it works for a lot of people. And it works for it a does. lot of people, but at the same rate, when I was really into it and I got, you know, kind of into my big book, but you know, big book thumper mode mm-hmm. where I was like, hey, hey, or die, you know, kind of like that for a little while, I really couldn't see beyond that. And, and I really thought that people, maybe not necessarily A, but NA or something like that, they needed to try that. And that, now the, the longer I'm clean and sober, man, the more, if, dude, if you can do it without it, more power to you. You don't, nobody. Yeah, so many people have so many different ways of staying clean. Yeah, yeah. And it's to put somebody in a box like that and make it, you know, seem to them like this is the only way for them is, is dishonest. And you're doing them a disservice by doing that because mm-hmm. there's lots of other ways out there to do it. And and uh, I don't I don't judge anybody now. It's like, hey, man, good for you. You're able to do it for one day, 30 days, 10 days, whatever. Good for you, man. However you did it. You know, as long as you're happy and you're not hurting other people, awesome. Yeah, I mean that was always my biggest thing with the AA. It just, I guess, it just reminded me way too much of Christianity. Yeah, and yeah. it just drove me nuts in that way. Like this is the only way. If you're not doing it, there's so many of them out there. There was a lot of awesome people who weren't like that. Right. But there were so many that oh, you're not doing AA, you're not actually clean anymore. Or right. The groups I would tell people if they're on medical assisted treatment that they're not clean and I, they can't collect clean time. I hate that shit. Man. Even even just the emphasis on clean time. Right. You know, was terrible to me because I've met so many people who fouled that, slipped up, had a couple beers, and then felt so guilty. They just said, fuck it. I'm going all the way back. Might as well because I've lost all my clean time now. Like it's some kind of godly thing to have and obtain and keep adding up. And that's what always pissed me off. Right. It's it's unrealistic expectations on people. You know what I mean? It's like we're all addicts at the end of the day. We're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You can't beat the shit out of someone for making a mistake. You, you just got to welcome them back and don't, you know, unless they're ready to talk about it, maybe let them cool out for a couple of days. Don't get right up their ass yeah, about absolutely. it. You know? and, th- and there's a lot of gossip, too, in AA. Oh, somebody does yeah. slip up. And I know. I know. It's <laughs> just it's, like church. Everything reminds me of church, and I think that's why I just couldn't do it. Yeah. There's definitely some things about it that I wish there wasn't, those those things about it. Uh, you, are, you just brought up one of them. In the big book, it says, we're not doctors, nor do we. We pretend to be, but some Sometimes some members pretend will to pretend to be doctors and tell you how what medications you should and shouldn't take. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute here. Where's your where's your? Uh, and then they don't get me going on like um, the absolutes and the buffalo group. <laughs> those crazy, crazy. <laughs> now that's a cult. Yeah, yeah. Those those guys aren't even really. I don't think they're allowed to officially be like in the AA yeah, book I'm anymore. Not, I don't know. I think they're still in the meetings list. But, are they? Um, I think so. Really? Yeah. But for those who don't know, who are gonna listen to this, like the absolutes are you're struggling with schizophrenia and uh you got to get off your meds though yes. you're not allowed to take those that kind of craziness yeah yeah that's uh you're definitely impeding somebody's ability to be a, a normal functioning human being when you're you know you think you got a psychiatry degree and you're gonna tell somebody <laughs> get off your bipolar meds it's like whoa dude don't i don't know oh some of that's funny but yeah yeah but Anywho, so yeah, you own a vape store now. I do. And I did want to kind of touch base on that real quick before we wrap things up because I feel a lot of people who, I mean, again, let's bring up AA. So so many smokers, so many, you know, people with coffee and cigarettes is like the AA thing. But staples, Just people, me, you know, when I was in an Oxford house for almost a year, I mean, a lot of people were into vaping and all that. And so I definitely want to give you a chance to kind of talk, touch base on that with the whole thing that's going on in New York State now. Yeah. And all of that crap. First, they're 
was going to be a ban on everything, and then that went away, and then there was almost this federal ban, and now that one kind of went away, and now they're going to ban shit again, and it's just, it's getting crazy. It is. It really is. It doesn't seem to, there doesn't seem to be an end to the government wanting to interfere with uh, vaping and either heavily, heavily regulate regulate and tax it, or what it more looks like is just squash it out altogether. And, and I mean, I don't, I don't want to get too deep into that because I really, honestly, I, I support all the organizations, obviously, that are fighting for our rights, but I'm not even up to date on the absolute latest thing that's mm-hmm. coming out right now, so I don't want to speak out of turn. But basically, from what I know, is there's they're trying to ban flavored e-liquids and stuff like that if that happens that's gonna it's gonna shut a lot of businesses down unfortunately so you know i just urge all my customers to um go online and and look up these bills that are being proposed and to vote against them if you get a chance you know if you got a free second and you want to kill a few minutes or something go look these bills up you know it's uh, the bill is uh s428 part a and s428 part b and you gotta you gotta go look them up individually because they're trying to be tricky now and split them up so you can't just go vote once to to vote against the bill you got to go of course and vote against two different parts negatively you know against it so anybody who gets a chance to do that it's much much appreciated and, and if you already vape then you probably already know about it and and you know that it's it's for everyone's benefit it's not just like it benefits like just shop owners or something like that you know yeah no it definitely does and i mean there's so much uh, the bs going on how terrible vaping is for you and all this death stuff and i seen one thing online this one dude did an interview with the news because he got you know some lung infection from smoking the thc he specifically said that but the way they edited it the newsletter it made it sound like the vape on he got it from just vaping right and he said the guy ended up like being interviewed by the vape shop owner later and the guy said I've never actually even vaped regular juice before. It was only just THC stuff. He's never even vaped nicotine it, juice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is just so funny how it just gets played around, and it's, the, it's the, frustrating. The media has no shame, or or I guess no, they feel no responsibility to report the facts for some reason. No, well, because they just know, want to entertain. Yeah, it's it's all about the ratings and what mm-hmm. gets what gets the biggest rating. Oh, this guy died from lung from vape lung illness. You know what I mean? Any kind of uh, sensationalism that they can put into it, that's what they're gonna do. And they're not gonna take the time to actually go and, and look up the facts and find out like the dude didn't even vape nicotine. Ju- he, <laughs> there's no way he got it from any vape shop because he doesn't vape nicotine juice. He vapes illegal THC cartridges. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was just kind of hysterical to it's, me how it gets played around. and Totally, totally. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And even the whole, if anybody's listening to this too, like Dr. Saleh Sattel does some great conversations and lectures on the whole myth about the whole teens and how more teens are going to be smoking cigarettes because of this. And there's just so much craziness going on, it, which yeah. we have to learn to pay attention to that because there's so much craziness going on in the news like that and about everything. Right. Literally everything. And it's it's misguided. I mean, there's there's some really there's some people out there that make some really good points and I and I don't wanna try to take credit for any of those because this is just all stuff that I've I've heard secondhand from people who are much more educated and intelligent than me. But you know, I mean it's just it's really simple stuff like if kids are if underage children are getting their hands on vaping products, they're already doing it illegally, right? So mm-hmm. they're already breaking the law or somebody's breaking the law on their behalf to get that for them. So what is passing another law gonna do for a lawbreaker? If somebody in, is inherently like, I don't <laughs> no. give a fuck about the laws, you think passing another law is gonna make yeah. them all of a sudden be an upright yep. 
you, citizen. Yeah. Like, oh, I better start following the laws all of a sudden. You gotta be 21. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, thankfully, vaping has uh, got me off cigarettes, man, and I've met a lot of really cool people through doing it, and, you know, I, I worked at the shop that I that I now own for, you know, like four years before I, I bought it, and uh, just purchased it recently, but it's... Um, it's uh, technically it's called chain va- chain vapors, um, but our sign out front still says Plume Vapor Lounge, um, so that's a little confusing. But if you if you were to Google either one of those entities, they both show up. They yep. both show up. You'll come. You'll get to the same spot because we own both of the domains and all that. So okay, yeah. So um, where did Plume Vapors come from? Um, it was actually the old owner uh, named it that. Okay. Yeah. So that was his originally when he opened up here like almost six years ago. That was the name that he came up with. Okay. Yeah. And then did you switch it to chain? I switched it to chain. Actually, before I bought it, they had switched it to Chain Vapors of Buffalo. This is going to get even more confusing. I probably shouldn't even say this. But <laughs> <laughs> the, they switched it to Chain Vapors of Buffalo. Now that I own it, I dropped the of Buffalo. So it's just okay. Chain Vapors. When I was, I don't know, a bunch of legal mumbo jumbo, but I couldn't use that name. I had to pick my own name. So that's where we got chain. That's how we got the chain vapor. Chain vapors. All right, man. Awesome. Well, thanks for uh, chopping it up with me here. Absolutely, man. Thank that's you. Cool. So you got over five years, right? You said. Yes, sir. When's uh? When do you come up on? Six. July 24th of this year. All right. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. It was so, awesome talking with you. Yeah, man. I appreciate it, Sean. Cool. All right. Later. Later, man. you guys absolutely enjoyed that episode you can check out tony's vape store on facebook at vapor chain and you will um get to help connect and help share and if you are somebody who does vape or is thinking about vaping go check his stuff out and hit him up especially if you're in the western new york buffalo area and that's about all i got guys thank you for listening get to room9podcast.com check out everything we are doing what we plan to do what we have done Get on our social media pages, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that other fun stuff. And again, be sure to look for our first vlog coming out. I'm excited for that. So that'll be out by the end of the week. All right, guys, you have a great week and I'll talk to you next Monday. Peace.